Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiatives podcast. I'm Oliver Hartwig. I'm the Executive Director here. I'm joined by our senior fellow, Matt Burgess. Hi, Matt. Hi, Oliver. We want to talk about the cost of living crisis in this country, and you've got a new research note out this week looking at the data behind the crisis. Talk us through. What have you found? Well, what we found is that in the last 12 months, in the year to December, uh, the average New Zealand household is spending more than $3,000 more a year. 3000 to stand still, $3,000 a year more uh, for the same basket of goods and services that we're buying uh, a year earlier. So that's a, that's a very substantial increase. The main contributors, uh, higher cost of transport, that's petrol prices, uh, food up $500 a year, almost uh, housing costs, higher interest payments and higher rates bills from councils are the main contributors haven't seen inflation at these levels for more than 30 years. So this is a new experience for New Zealanders. And I think what we're seeing actually is real pressure on the government. This cost of living crisis has really got the attention of the government. It's certainly in the minds of voters. Uh, we can see it in the polling. And I think it's here to stay. We've got um, these well, cost pressures going to be around for a while. That is the big question, of course, because central banks, not just in New Zealand, but around the world are saying, well, this could be temporary or transitory. They find all sorts of nice words for that. But you say, no, this is structural and we will have this higher degree of inflation unprecedented within the last 20, 30 years for a bit longer. Yeah, the interesting thing, look, New Zealand's not the only one, only country uh, facing higher inflation, but among our trading partners, we're right at the top end. 5. How, how bad is it? 5.9% inflation for the year to December. The only, uh, out of our top 20 trading partners, the only country with higher inflation that yes. is the United States, 7.9%. Mm. Uh, but Australia, Germany, UK, um, Europe as a whole, all below where we're at. Now, and that's interesting because arguably we got a relatively smooth ride through uh, COVID. We didn't get the first variants, including Delta. Um, Omicron's here now, but that's the relatively mild version. It's, it's only arrived recently. So I think what you can say is that although inflation is a factor in right across the OECD now, it's worse here than you might expect. And I think you can put down that relative perf uh, performance to factors that are local, domestic policies. Like rates increases. <laughs> Well, uh, monetary policy and fiscal policy, right? Everybody's facing supply. Look, why are we in a situation? Where's inflation coming from? It's coming from the interaction of supply constraints um, with demand pressures. And those demand pressures are coming from, firstly, reserve banks printing money. Mm -hmm. uh, and secondly, a lot of new spending, 60 or $70 billion of new spending from the government in response to COVID. And it's that intersection of, of a boom in, on the demand side with those supply constraints uh, that's driving this. Is so that actually the problem that we have completely misidentified this crisis over the last two years as a crisis? in which um, government and the Reserve Bank have to plug some gaps on the demand side. Yeah, so right from the start, it was recognised that this fundamentally was a supply side issue. This isn't a lack of demand, downturn, Great Recession or anything like that. We had an exogenous shock to the economy uh, that was hitting supply and that was always going to have negative effects. Now, yep, you can print money. You can print money in response to a demand-side uh, response, and that can solve real problems or at least smooth things. But this is not a demand-side recession or economic uh, impact. But it's, we treated it like one. We treated it as if it was another uh, liquidity event like the, uh, the Great Depression in the, in the 20s and 30s. But it wasn't like that. It was a, a real shock to the economy. It wasn't an um, uh, aggregate demand-side issue. And so you've you've got what we've got, which is um, those supply constraints haven't been at the top of the political agenda. It's been a focus on the demand side. And of course, what you've ended up with is more money chasing a fixed number of goods and with the end result being inflation. So 
you know, the sense I get is that inflation hasn't been around for long enough, and we didn't see it after the GFC with all the money printing. And I think that what we've seen as policymakers not understanding or losing sight of where inflation comes from and the combination of circumstances that can give rise to it. Now, to be fair, New Zealand policymakers are certainly not alone in this. Joe Biden dropped a trillion dollars of money out of a helicopter, not literally, and we've seen a result there as well. But it is a reminder that ultimately inflation is always a monetary phenomenon, and uh, you can get it if you're willing to print enough money and stimulate demand when you have a supply constraint. Okay, uh, so we had an exogenous economy. supply shock for the past couple of years due to COVID. In all likelihood, we'll have another exogenous supply shock now because of the Ukraine war. Yeah, and we're, we're seeing it uh, in food you know, food prices, uh, oil prices, you know, these reflect true scarcity. So you've got uh, you've got three things going on, right? You've got COVID and COVID policy response. You've got the shock from Ukraine, and then you've got a third one, which is Reserve Bank uh, is now about to begin its fight against inflation. That's going to raise interest rates, uh, and it's going to have to raise them sharply to get on top of it. It started slow. I think it's fair to say we've got inflation expectations moving faster than the official cash rate. Uh, the Reserve Bank's going to have to catch up, and I think with every passing day we're going to get a deeper recession out of it. We're almost certainly going to get a recession in the fight against inflation. That means, welcome back to the 1970s, here comes stagflation. Well, 70s, 80s and 90s, you know, the the stagflation followed by the correction and the recession, uh, possibly quite painful recession that you have to get out of that. When you look through... So you're telling us it's all going to be better in the 2040s again? Well, this is the question, you know, what does it take, how long is this fight going to take? My take is that um, you know we have inter- independent central banks. Now, in principle, uh, the, the Reserve Bank should have no trouble raising rates to ha- whatever level is necessary to fight off the inflation monster. Frankly, we have a politicised Reserve Bank now. And I don't mean politicised in the sense of Labour or National or whatever. I mean politicised in the sense of it's worried about more things than price stability. You know, of course, that's partly its legislation and its mandate. But it is going to look at things besides price stability. And it's already been slow out of the blocks. I think you can argue that it kept its asset purchases program going for too long. It ran till July last year, long after I think it became clear that COVID wasn't the shock that many feared it would be. Uh, Same with funding for lending. It's still running its funding for lending program until June of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, just extraordinary. It's raised interest. Uh, the OCR, I think, 25 basis points, the last two decisions. Which is homeopathic. I think uh, you can make the argument it should have been more. And now we're seeing data that uh, expectations, inflation expectations have risen by more than the OCR. Well, the Reserve Bank's very much in the position now, I think, of having to play catch up. So I think you can expect, frankly, one would hope you would expect to see uh, 50 basis point rises in at least the next two decisions uh, to try and get ahead of the curve. Reserve Bank is very much on the back foot. Now, for as long, the longer it delays um, a rapid response and a more assertive response, uh, the deeper the correction has to be once inflation's out of the out of the tin. So at the moment, you know, the positive side of this whole story right now is that expectations over five and 10 year horizons haven't moved yet. They're still about where they were. So that's the market saying, look, we ultimately have confidence in the system. But, you know, five year time horizon, uh, you're potentially looking at a decent chunk of cost of living increases for much of that five years. If you look at the data, inflation episodes, you know, not hyperinflation, but moderate inflation that we're seeing now, they tend to last about two years. And so you could say that we may be nine months into a two-year cycle, except for the fact um, that we've got a reserve bank that's been a bit slow out of the block. So I think you can expect to see inflation persisting right through the whole of next year and into 2024. 
uh, well past the election. So uh, I think it's here to stay. But you know, the next decision will be interesting. Will it be by 50 points or will they, will they stick with the 25% in, uh, percent increases? Hmm. Scary stuff. But thank you very much for sharing your findings with us. Uh, that was Matt Burgess, Senior Fellow at the Initiative. And you can find Matt's report on the Initiative's website. Thank you very much for listening and talk to you next time.